You are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Before we begin with the podcast, the NBA would like to offer a sincere note of thanks to association member Bike Flights for their continued support of the NBA and retailers at large. BikeFlights.com is a bicycle shipping service and a supplier of bike shipping boxes offering low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery. Since 2009, BikeFlights has made it easy for more than a million people, including individuals, bike shops, events, and cycling industry businesses, to ship bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence. They've been working to get more people on bikes, plus have been advocating for safer roads and more and better trails to ride, race, and explore. Bike Flights is a company that's committed to sustainability. Learn more at bikeflights.com. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retailer Radio, brought to you by the NBDA. I'm Sherry Rosenbaum and your guest host today. As an advocate for getting more people on bikes, I started a blog called Sunflowers and Petals. I'm also a contributing writer for RoadBikeRider.com and Brain Magazine. Thank you for listening. I'm so happy you're here. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Please do us a favor and leave a review. It helps members of our industry find our podcast. This podcast is designed specifically for bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. Today's guests are founder of Black Girls Do Bike, Monica Garrison, and Chicago chapter Shiro, Celeste Adams. Welcome, ladies. I'm thrilled to have a chance to sit down and talk to both of you today. Happy to be here. Hi. Hi. So, Monica, tell me what motivated you to start Black Girls Do Bike. I was at a point in my life where I needed to kind of reset, and the bike entered my life at the right time. And it became a tool for me to kind of heal myself physically and mentally. And I found that I enjoyed it. I spent quite a bit of time on my bike in 2013. And in that time, I discovered that there weren't many women on the trails who looked like me riding bikes. And that prompted me to ask the question, why not? And where are these women? And so that's really where Black Girls Do Bikes started from in that search to find other women who could benefit from riding bikes. And now how many chapters and members do you have? And I understand it's a global community. Yeah, we have at last count 103 chapters and we have internationally, we have a chapter in London now, and we've had a chapter in Antigua for quite some time now. So those are international locations. And then I think you created a Facebook group very similar to what I did for women that I'm cycling with in the area. And it's really providing a safe place to ask questions. What are you finding the most common questions from your audience? We have a lot of new riders. So the first question is always, you know, what kind of bike should I get? And we have a lot of riders who are women of color. So they also have questions about, you know, helmets and how to buy the appropriate helmets that will fit their head and their hairstyles safely. So we have a lot of those like beginner friendly questions. And then we just have a lot of engagement where women are, they want to join rides or they want to meet other women who are on their level, cycling level. And so they reach out to find other women to ride with. So it's very similar questions that I'm seeing too. <laughs> mm-hmm, probably. <laughs> yeah. 
So Celeste, your profile says you're a Shiro. And for our listeners, that's Hero with an S. Explain what that is. That's basically the leader of a Black Girls Do Bike chapter. And so I'm the leader of the Black Girls Do Bike Chicago chapter, which encompasses, it's not just Chicago proper, it encompasses the surrounding suburbs. So we have women, not just Chicago proper, but the Chicago land area. How big is that particular group? Well, our Facebook group is over a thousand. Wow. Wow. How many who actually come out and ride, that's a very different number. (laughs) But um, we have a very active chapter. We have eight ride leaders. And so that makes it, we're able to provide at least nine rides a week. So that is sometimes morning rides, uh, like a 6 a.m. in the morning ride. But primarily, most of our rides are in the evening. They're work rides. They start at 6 p.m. with an occasional pop-up ride on the weekend. We all belong to other cycling clubs. So we usually save our weekends to ride with our ride leaders, belong to, and even the members actually belong to other cycling clubs, but all of our Black Girls to Bike rides, we have a ride I'm just going to say every day of the week, every day of the work week, we have a standing ride that takes place. That's great. I know there's a big major tailor group in the Chicagoland area. I don't know. If, yeah. Do you yeah, guys team up with them a lot? I try to keep it separate. <laughs> I try. <laughs> a lot of people are intimidated by I'm a major tailor member. And actually, every one of my ride leaders are major tailor members, but they're also members of other cycling groups. But I try to keep it separate. We don't wear our major tailor kits to Black Girls Do Bike rides. We don't post major tailor rides on Black Girls Do Bike because people are intimidated. They say, oh my God, I can never ride with you. Oh, that's too fast. I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And so, you know, if they find out we're in major tailor, they find out just because they found out. But a lot of times they, when they say things like that, that makes them just not want to be involved. Oh, you ride too fast. And I can't tell you of all the people for liking comments, liking pictures. I'm coming out when I get a better bike. I'm coming out when I lose weight. I'm coming out when I get faster. It's like we have developmental rides. And that's one reason why we try to keep, um, you know, our other organizations you know, we don't really promote them because people are intimidated by it. Oh, absolutely. I've ridden with them a couple of times. (laughs) I've run into them at invitationals in the area. And honest to God, I hung on for my dear life at the back of the Peloton, hoping that they wouldn't drop me. So yes, they're very strong. For Major Taylor, Swift rides and real world rides. So, but we absolutely, we try to keep those two worlds separate. (laughs) So so that's a good segue. You you mentioned Swift and you guys have some really big news recently that you're partnering with Swift. What actually does this partnership entail? Well, so let me tell you, should I back up a little bit about how we became, we've been doing Swift now with Black Girls Dubai. I have been doing Swift prior with my other club uh, prior. And then I'm like, okay, can we do this with Black Girls Dubai? So I asked Monica and she said, go for it. And so we put it out there because what we find, you know, in the Zwift world is that people are Zwifting. Why not Zwift as Black Girls Dubai? And so whereas we can have rides, you know, there are a ton of Zwift rides. You can ride with 
your different clubs. You can ride workout plan clubs. And so why not have a Black Girls Dubai ride? And so it started with me offering a weekly starting from November through March, because, you know, we're in the Midwest. So it's cold. People say, oh, Mark, we're outside. No, we're not outside here. We have snow. <laughs> it snowed today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so we are still inside. And if it's not, it's windy, it's cold, it's something. So we are actively inside. And so what I love, what Zwift allows us to do, when we started that three years ago, so just put it out there and put it on the page on our Black Girls Dubai Shiro page and then put it on my Black Girls Dubai Chicago page and then other Shiro's put it on their page. And then we had people coming and coming and coming. So then it was a huge success. You know, I can have anywhere between eight, you know, when I say huge success, like this is relative because I know some rides have 100 people on their ride. Right. <laughs> That's what we had, like 18 to 20 people on a ride. And so that's more than we have out the streets, <laughs> you know. But the cool thing about it is that, you know, we have people from Texas, from Atlanta, from Ohio, from New York, Detroit, and in Los Angeles, New Jersey. And so I am riding with these people on a weekly basis. And now we have more than the Thursday ride. Now we have a, a standing Tuesday ride. And so we see each other and we talk on Discord. So we feel like we know each other. So when we actually get together at a live event like Siegel Century or One Love or the Five Burrows, you know, it's like you can finally put a face to an avatar. Oh, I know you. We've been seeing, <laughs> seeing each other, you know, for years. In fact, I met a girl I had never met in person, but I've been riding with her for two years on Swift, And I met her at the Siegel Century, this past Siegel wow. Century. And I bet yeah. you feel like you knew her. You know, yeah. like you've always and, gone out as girlfriends and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. So how many people do you have now in the program? Well, now we have two standing rides. We have the Thursday ride is called 30 on Thursday. And we have another one, the Tuesday ride called Turn Up Tuesday or Turn It Up Tuesday. And so again, you know, we have, you know how it is, you have a lot of people register, but we always have double digits easily, you know, 15, 18 on a ride. Now, what makes it a little difficult right now, I just had my ride yesterday, but it was not the best showing because, you know, now everybody's trying to do those tour of Watopia double experience <laughs> points. I know every time I get a chance, I'm trying to double it. I just leveled up this morning. <laughs> I mean, just before. Congratulations. <laughs> I think I'm 36 now. So no, so it's pretty steady. It's pretty steady. But, you know, I will say also now, because people are from all over, you know, Atlanta, Los Angeles, when they have good weather, they're like, oh, we're outside. <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> so I know you probably got a lot more women because of the pandemic and people were moving to cycling indoors and being Yes. They want to be social, but they want to be safe. Did you see the That's numbers increase then? Well, so every year, you know, people are like, well, what's that? How do I do that? Because I post, you know, you take snapshots of your ride. You can take some really cool snapshots of your ride, snapshots of, of us on our dirt bikes, you know, and all the dirt kicking up, snapshots on us, you know, looking really cool. And, you know, another exciting thing, I'm just going to interrupt my thought. We wear the gray jersey with the orange Z. And so when Zwift came out with the clubs and they featured African-American women with the gray jersey and the orange Z, I'm like, look at us. 
Excellent. Yeah. Made that our profile picture for our club because, you know, that's what we look like, <laughs> you know. But so every year, every start of the season, rather, November coming up, you know, we tell them, okay, it's, you know, it, it's cold, it's windy, it's wet outside. You know what that means? It's time to swift. And so when we put this up there, so of course you get a lot of interest and you go to have to go through the whole education process. What do I need? What do I need? What do I do? And so, you know, that can be tiresome when you're doing it over and over and over and over, but you do it because that's how you grow the membership on Zwift and your participation. So every year it's, you know, bringing on new people because that looks so cool. How do you do that? But absolutely during the pandemic, because people were not writing, you know, we, you know that first year of the pandemic, we suspended all in-person rides, right? right? And so we had a good turnout and, you know, everybody was indoors. You know, we were riding indoors. If we were riding outside, we weren't really riding in groups, but we were absolutely putting a lot of Zwift miles on during the pandemic. And So you're seeing more women buying indoor trainers and indoor gear and that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, just trying to help them get set up because it's a process, you know, why aren't I working? Why aren't I connecting and trying to figure out which trainer they have? And, and so, you know, I even have instructions on my page. If you have a smart trainer, this is what you do. If you have a resistance trainer, this is what you need. But of course, you know, you still got to walk people through things. And then sometimes you figure out some products work best, better than others. As far as connectability, you know, I don't know if we can say this, but, <laughs> but, <Go ahead>. you know, <laughs> the Garmin, <laughs> so, you know, I just found the Wahoo product just connects better with the Zwift product. And so, you know, I myself didn't have that initially, but had to go out and buy one. And since then, and I have a kicker, but even just the sensor, it just wasn't reading it right. So I said, well, let me just break down and never had that issue again. But definitely when people are, have the resistance trainers, and it's a process just trying to figure out how to make it work. And that is that learning. And then once they do, they're in, but it is something you have to go through. <laughs> so now I'm going to transition a little bit to like bike mm-hmm. shops and gear and stuff. So I talk a lot about bike shops and what they can do to be more inviting and inclusive to all women. What would you recommend they do to be more inclusive, not just to women of color, but also young girls, because we really need to bring in the next generation of cyclists. What bike shops in particular, the shops? Well, I can say, you know, what they can do first. Well, we have reached out to our local bike shops. And so we find that when we reach out to them, they're always receptive to help us, you know. And in fact, uh, one of our sponsors, REI, they do a tremendous job of whatever we ask for. You know, if we ask for classes, if we've asked for, you know, they've encouraged us to start rides here, what do you, and ask us, what do you need? You know, where do you want to start a ride? How can we help you? And so one of the things we're going to do this year with REI is we're going to start a ride at REI and go and connect it to a local trail. And REI has agreed to provide swag, to provide refreshments. And then another way they help us, though, is when we have class, when we ask, like, okay, we have a ABC clinic, you know, and we have other bike shops who help us with that, the local bike shops here who help us with that, who allow us to do clinics at their shops. 
And they're happy because, you know, it's a win-win. It's something for us and they get, you know, potential winners. So, I mean, patrons for their shop. So, mm-hmm. but every store, every local bike shop who we've reached out to, we have a good relationship with. What are some of the other classes that you've had them do? I'm sorry, Monica. Uh, That's okay. I wanted to kind of agree with Celeste because I think it's really important to offer up the shop as a a means, a place to start the rides that gets women to the shops. You know, it allows them to get familiar with the folks that work at the shops, the mechanics, the salespeople. I also think it's important, obviously, to have women working in the shops. And I realize it's, you know, it's a male dominated industry, but that certainly makes the shop more welcoming when you have female mechanics there, you know, and I know they exist. So there's always the push to have more women working in shops. I steal this from another industry, which is male dominated to have like women days at the shop, like maybe a paint and sip, you know, where you bring ladies in and you give them an activity that's not even related to cycling, but they're there and they're, they're getting to know each other. They're getting to know the staff. So I think there are ways to do it. You just have to be a little creative. And then also to reach out to groups like Black Girls Who Bike and other female centered riding groups and just make the connection and invite them. Well, if a bike shop owner doesn't know if there's a Black Girls Do Bike chapter in their area, where would they go to find that out? If they go to our website, yeah, blackgirlsdobike.org, there's a locations page and it lists every chapter. All our chapters are tied in through a Facebook page. So they'd have to join the page. So that might be that might be a little difficult. But if they reach out to me at Black Girls Do Bike at gmail.com, I can direct their invitation to our local chapter. So that's a way to do it as well. Okay, great. And speaking of bike shops, so when I did a interview on a women-owned bike shop, found out there were only seven in the United States that are owned just by women. Do you know the number of Black-owned bike shops in the United States? I don't know the number. (laughs) I imagine it's less than seven. You think it's, it's, I mean, I personally know of four. Oh, there's that in the whole US, but I'm sure there are a couple more I'm not aware of. So you need to get that number up for sure. The industry has been criticized. I'm sorry. Thought you knew the number. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know the number. (laughs) (laughs) The industry has been criticized for not having more black and brown women in their ads. Do you feel they've made any progress or was it just for a short period of time? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely been progress even from when I started Black Girls with Bike until now, because part of the motivation was that when I did search for bikes and cycling, I didn't see images of women of color. That has definitely improved. But I will say there are still sites that I go to and I pull up the front page and there are no variety in size and color of the people on their websites. And so, you know, that doesn't seem realistic to me because, you know, that's not the reflection of the world that we live in. So if your site doesn't reflect the world we live in, you probably have some progress to make. I think it's just recently that we've been seeing Black men feature in cycling. And it's a lot now. I mean, when we think of not a lot, but we've never seen it like this before. And I think that's with Justin Williams and the Legion and Rashawn Bahati and and with Zwift and both of them with Zwift and Justin with Rafa. And I think he's been on the cover of the bicycling magazine at least twice and featured several times inside, but we've never seen that be. That's pretty new. 
you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, I don't know, you know, now we know Aisha McGowan is out there now as a professional African-American female cyclist for LIVE, but I don't know if she's featured like that right now, but those other names, that's pretty big. When we, you know, we click on Zwift and there is Rashawn Bahati, you know, riding the bike. And when you go to the Rafa page and Justin Williams, you know, there's a kit, a lesion kit with Zwift's name, you know, Zwift and Rafa, you know, that's big. So, and that's real new. That's progress, but there's mm-hmm. a lot farther it needs to go for sure. We just yeah. and, we just got that. <laughs> and to speak like directly to your audience, if we walk into a bike shop and you know there's artwork on the walls, it would be amazing to see that artwork of you know reflect people of color who are riding bikes. And very often it's not the case. So just something that's an excellent know. point. Yeah. yeah. I mean any tips that you can give that's our audience, our bike shop owners and industry people also you're speaking right to them. Yeah. I mean, people of color are part of the history of cycling, so there's no reason, you know, we're a percentage of, but there's certainly no reason why we wouldn't be included in in things like the wall art in the bike shop. Great point. So you had touched upon like sizes and things like that in the industry. I've always criticized the industry for repeatedly not having extended sizes And this is a problem for women of every race and every nationality. If you're a curvier woman, you know, you're not going to find many kits or a very large selection. What are your thoughts around that? And what are you seeing? I personally think, I mean, it's been an issue. I'm a woman of size, as they say. So I have that issue. I think what's most important is if you want people to enter the sport, you have to meet them where they are, which means there are going to be people who are plus sized or who are in bigger bodies who are looking for comfortable, breathable cycling clothes to ride in. And it almost seems in this, you know, capitalist society that we hold so high, it's to me, it makes sense to serve those people so that they become cyclists and maybe they slim down and they eventually fit into those, you know, those smaller kits, but you have to meet them where they are. And there's a lot of, that doesn't happen enough. I found in my experience. Yeah, I do a lot of product testing and it's embarrassing sometimes that I'm like, I can't wear your brand, you know, yeah, because I don't fit in anything. You know, I'm not 110 pounds. (laughs) So yeah, one thing I find is when you find, you know, it's all about the chamois pad for me, you know, and what I find is that, and I personally prefer to wear capris or a long short that, you know, comes to the pants, but I really prefer capris actually, or, you know, something at the calf or something, but the good chamois pads, they don't even put those in there. So I guess they feel like the real cyclists, you know, are only wearing shorts. And so the best pad that they have is only in the short. And some people don't even make a knicker or a capri, you know, pants, but those that do, you know, I just find that the pad is not a good pad. I can't really go anywhere in it. You know, it might be a good 10 miles at the most, but if I'm looking for something where I can do a century in or 62 miles or even just a fast, hard ride, you know, the pads just don't work for me. And so the good thing about, you know, cycling inside, okay, I'll wear those shorts inside. (laughs) I wear those those little tight shorts that I would never be seen outside in, but I could stay on that trainer all day, you know, because that's a really good pad. <laughs> so. 
I don't even match when I go down to my pain cave. <laughs> it's like go outside and I got to match everything, but exactly. So also like extended sizes for clothing, you know, we also have to look at accessories and something Monica, you touched on at the beginning of the hour, you know, fitting a rider with natural hair, thick hair, Afro dreadlocks, I mean, is a real, real struggle. And what are you recommending to new riders and even, you know, people have been riding for years? How do they find a certain brand that fits them well? A lot of times I recommend that they purchase multiple helmets in multiple sizes because you'll find that, you know, our hair can change from day to day and vary in size. And so you may need a large one day and an extra large the next day. I always tell the story of when I started cycling, I had dreadlocks that were like halfway down my back. And after a summer of riding, I cut them at the end of the summer. And I'm not recommending everyone do that because, you know, some people hold them for a lifetime, but that was my solution so that I could hop on the bike and not have to worry about, you know, whether my hair was going to fit and how hot I was going to be, what have you. So it's definitely an issue. So I usually recommend multiple sizes and then some sort of way to tie your hair down as tightly as you can to your head, which involves a head covering and then putting the helmet over that. But I will put this out there that any company that wants to create a helmet specifically for, you know, women who are rocking natural hair and want some consultation, you know, we have the resources to do it and it would be an excellent thing to have in the marketplace. Yeah, I think that's something that's really missing. And I haven't, you know, I've had that question posed to me a number of times, you know, what helmet brand or helmet do you recommend? And I don't have an answer. For women who ride, you know, because we have seen, especially, you know, we have development arise. So these are people coming out sometimes for the very first time. And, you know, the helmets are sitting up here. They're not, you know, they're protecting that bun really nicely. (laughs) (laughs) They're not doing anything. For your brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've seen too. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. And so, you know, I tell them right then and there, I tell them, well, you know, if you fall, this is going to get hit. This is going to get hit. This. So, you know, you might as well be riding without a helmet, but you know, you can't ride without a helmet for our rides. But I think when we explain it to people out there in the parking lot, before we get going, you know, we do all that, you know, we educate on how they'll have a helmet on, but it's serving no purpose whatsoever. And so, you know, I've asked ladies, you know, you, you know, when you tell them, you know, take it down or, you know, it's the big bun and sometimes the helmet just doesn't fit. When you explain, you know, what this helmet is supposed to be for and what it protects and, you know, this is doing nothing for you right now, they get it. They really do. But once you've been writing, you know, the women know it's a struggle and, you know, you know, hear them say, especially if you're getting braids or something, if they're getting braids or something, I don't know why I got these braids. I knew cycling season was starting, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, you know, and you prepare for it, but it's really the new ones who come out who just need education on wearing helmets, period. And then once you have that conversation, they get it, but it is something. So before we wrap up, what's on tap for Black Girls Do Bike for 2022? Oh, wow. So the biggest thing we have this year is we're going to have a national meetup again. We took a couple of years off for obvious reasons, but we're going to have an in-person event this August. Where's that going to be? I'm going to bring it home. It's coming to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from. And it's going to be August 26th through 28th. 
and we've got three days of events and giveaways and it's going to be centered around pedal Pittsburgh, which is our largest bike ride here in Pittsburgh. And then also in bike month, May, we're going to have a virtual ride, which we've been doing every year now for the last few years. So folks will be able to, you know, set some goals and earn an actual medal that we'll mail out along with the swag bag of goodies. So I'm excited. Will that be on Swift? I think you'll be able to log your miles on Zwift, certainly, but it's more of on the honor system. So if you use Strava or Zwift or whatever to log your miles, that's up to you. Great. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Well, the one really, truly exciting Zwift-related news is that Zwift is working with us to give us a, a Zwift jersey, a Black Girls Dubai jersey, and it is going nice. to be fashioned after one of our real jerseys. So that is huge. So mm, that's <laughs> have a gray jersey with the Z. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. We have our own Black Girls Dubai jersey. So we are real excited about that. When will that come out? I think Kate said in, in about a couple months, it could it, it wasn't possible to get it when we did the Black Celebration Series, you know. It was way too soon when we started talking about it. But she said maybe within the next two months, we'll be able to get it. So now many of the ladies keep theirs with, myself included, keep theirs with membership up and running the entire year. But many, I would say more than not, once it gets warm enough outside, that's where they are. So we'll see what what, what kind of event we can have. A kit reveal. Come on back inside. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, great. Well, thank you for your time. So that's a wrap. I'm Sherry Rosenbaum, and I invite you to connect with me. Come on Bicycle Retail Radio and share your story with our listeners. I invite you to contribute to our outspoken blog, become a feature on our member spotlight, or lead a webinar. Lots of love in our industry. Lots of great webinars are coming up and member networking meetings. Be sure to check out all the great resources on the MBDA website. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership, and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. Mm-hmm.